Well, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. If you love Jesus, somebody make some noise for me. Come on now. What an honor it is to have all of you joining with us today, whether you are in person. Come on, that's all of you in the room. If you're in person, make some noise for Jesus. Come on now. Or whether you're joining us online, we are in week number three of a series that we're doing here at Go Church, and we call it Ask Away. I'm going to tell you more about Ask Away and the format of that series in just a moment. But before we jump into that conversation, we want to start off this gathering like we always do by giving honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of our courageous first responders. Come on, can you help me do that right here, right now? We honor you. We thank you for the way that you sacrifice and the way that you serve, especially in the last three months. Uh, we have continued to pray for protection for all of you that are putting your life on the line to serve and protect our lives. And so uh, we just thank you. And, and these last three months have just been overwhelming, haven't they? Uh, this worldwide health crisis known as COVID-19 has literally impacted every part of our globe. And the last in-person gathering that we've had as a church family was on March the 8th of 2020, 12 weeks ago. And my heart is overwhelmed with great joy because there are people in the room today here at our broadcast campus, but the effect of this worldwide health crisis, this global pandemic, has not, has not uh, exempted many of us. Over 100,000 people have passed away due to the coronavirus. Tens of millions of individuals have lost their jobs, and many of you are still fighting quarantine and shelter in place, and depending on what part of the country or maybe what, what part of the world you're tuning in from today, uh, you might still be feeling the effects of this virus. And so we just pray that in the name of Jesus, that healing would come to those who are sick. Come on, can you give me an amen right there? And that those who are still recovering, that there would be a speedy recovery. And as you've been watching the news and all of the challenges of that, you see that this virus has been very, very real. But I'm glad to know that we serve a God that is faithful and a God that hears us when we pray. And so now, three months after the initial introduction to this virus, uh, people are back in churches all across America. And that is a good feeling. I've been so proud of our team at Go Church because over the last 12 weeks, while the, the doors of the church building have been closed, Go Church never shut down. Come on now. And the way that our team and our volunteers and our emergency response team has responded to the coronavirus has just been, uh, has been resilient. And I'm so proud to pastor a congregation like Go Church that has continued to meet the people at the point of their needs. And, and we've found innovative ways to love people to life. And, and you should be proud to call Go Church your home church as well. And so for those of you that you've been ready to get back in person, you've RSVP'd for these gatherings over the weekend, I want to welcome those of you at our Noonan pop-up campus in downtown Noonan. Come on, can you welcome Noonan and that campus there today? We love you. Two gatherings there. And... And I want to say hello to our Germantown, Maryland campus. Uh, we're believing that in the, in the weeks to come uh, that you'll be able to gather together in person. But we thank you for tuning in online and then all of you watching online. Listen, whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm thankful that you're tuning in today. And today's going to be, it's going to be one of those days that I believe is an anchor moment in the life of our church. Uh, we are in week number three of this series that we've been doing called Ask Away. And here's why I love this series so much. It's because every single Easter, we provide an Easter annual survey. 
On that survey, we give you the opportunity to give us a lot of personal information related to, you know, the, the demographic of our congregation, where you live, where you travel in from. But we also provide space for you to tell us what types of sermon series or messages or topics or themes you would love to hear us talk about. And then from there, we develop a series we take a few Sundays out of the year, and we try to address as many of those topics and themes and ideas as we can. And this style of, of ask away isn't unique to Go Church. I really, truly believe that this is the style of the ministry of Jesus. See, whenever Jesus walked this earth, he would go from town to town or city to city or village to village, and people would stop Jesus and they would ask Jesus questions. Real-time, right-now questions. And then Jesus would respond with a parable or a short story or an illustration to help people better understand the question that they asked. And I was wondering, leading up to the conversation that we're going to have today, imagine if Jesus were alive in 2020. What would be some of the questions that people would ask the Son of God? Obviously, there would be questions around the global pandemic of the coronavirus. Obviously, there would be questions around uh, the, the economic instability and the job loss. And, and there, would, there would also be other questions related to, to the challenges of marriage or parenting or the list could, could really go on and on and on. But I believe, and I think many of you would agree with me, that one of the right now questions that people would ask Jesus Christ if Jesus were here in the flesh, they would ask about racial injustice. They would ask questions about racial inequality and maybe even questions about race-based violence. And if you've been connected to Go Church, you know that our heart here is to love people to life. Come on, can you give me an amen? amen. To love people to life. And so I think that, that we would be silly to not try to attempt to have a conversation based around the, the right now current events that are sweeping our nation and I believe the question that many people would ask Jesus if he were in the flesh, hey, tell me about what we're seeing with the racial injustice towards people of color and the rioting and the peaceful protests that we're watching on the news. And, and this type of conversation wasn't new to Jesus. It wasn't new to his disciples. This type of question wasn't new to his apostles. As a matter of fact, it was the apostle Paul that literally in Galatians chapter 3 abolished racial discrimination. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, you'll see it on the screen here, he began to write these words and he says, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. On the count of three, let's say the word all. You ready? One, two, three. All. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have now clothed yourself with Christ. And then he says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one. Somebody say one. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so today, I want to set the tone because we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a panel discussion and talk specifically about racial injustice and inequality that we face at a very uh, large scale in the United States of America. And as the pastor of Go Church, I've decided in my heart that I'm going to do everything in my ability and in my power and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we stay the United States of America 
and we'd not become the divided states of America. Come on, can you give me an amen whether you're watching online or in person? I haven't preached in front of a, lo- a live uh, studio audience in 12 weeks, so y'all got to help me in the room today. Come on now. We've got to be the United States of America. And today the conversation is going to take us to levels of uncomfortability. I want you to know that I'm going to invite to the platform three individuals that call Go Church home. And not only do they call Go Church home, but they also serve in leadership here at Go Church. A couple of ground rules before we have this conversation, and it goes like this. You will not agree with everything that they say, and guess what? That's okay. Christ is not calling us to uniformity. Christ is calling us to unity, and I'm learning there is a difference. We can disagree on certain perspectives and topics, but we can all still be one through Christ Jesus. Another good place to say amen. The second thing that I want to lay as a ground rule is this. Everything they say is not an endorsement of what Go Church or Pastor JC thinks or believes. However, I think that courageous conversations are needed if we're ever going to take relationship to the next level. That goes with any relationship. As a parent, sometimes you have to have courageous conversations. As a spouse, sometimes you have to have courageous conversations. As a church, there are times that you have to have courageous conversations and talk beyond the point of your level of of comfortability. And so today is going to be just that. I guarantee you that at the end of this conversation, you're going to have a lot of questions, and rightfully so. And I pray that this panel discussion prompts you to have additional conversations. We are all, at the end of the day, can we agree on this? That when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, his blood was shed for all mankind. Can you give me an amen there? And at the end of the day, I don't think that there's any one group of people that is asking for special treatment. I think that people are just asking for equal treatment. That at the end of the day, we were all created in the image of God, and that levels the playing field. So I'm going to pray for us this morning, and I'm asking for those of you in this room, those of you at our Noonan pop-up campus, those of you watching online, that today, more than any other Sunday that you've ever tuned in or been a part of a Go Church gathering, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to open up your heart and to open up your mind in a new way. Can you do that? So Father, as we begin this panel discussion today, I pray that through this dialogue, the Holy Spirit would be felt in such a real way, in such a new way, and that the Holy Spirit would open up all of our hearts and all of our minds, and that through the perspective of this conversation, maybe there is something that we can learn about one another, about our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that would help us to grow beyond where we are today. We pray all of these things in one name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And together, everybody said, amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome this morning our panel that we put together. Come on. Let me take a moment here and uh, introduce quickly each one of those that are sitting on this platform. Uh, to, To my left, your right, is our dear sister Arlene Morell. She serves on staff here at Go Church overseeing our care ministry. Would you bless her and welcome her today? We also have Dwayne Pitt, who serves on our board of trustees at Go Church, and he's also a fantastic worship leader and singer. Come on, isn't he? I wish I could, I wish I could sing like you, man. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest. And then right beside me is a precious friend of mine, a brother Owusu Hadari, who serves on our board of elders here at our South Metro Atlantic campus. Come on, one more time. Would you bless Pastor Owusu, Brother Owusu, and then all of those on the panel? 
And uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to have this conversation today. I'm honored to have dialogue today. I'm honored to take a few minutes and, uh, and kind of, I, I told the three of you this, uh, if we're going to jump in the swimming pool, we might as well get into the deep Amen. end. Come on. So I hope that those of you watching online and those of you in this room, you're taking a lot of good notes and, uh, and that this again would prompt some conversation. I've got a couple of questions, time permitting. And I'd love for you to give me your response and perspective on each of these questions. And then as a part of it, I'd love for you to even share maybe some personal uh, story that would relate to this. So uh, let's jump right in. There is a, a lot of tension between two phrases. The primary tension is on all lives matter versus the phrase black lives matter. So I'm wondering if uh, you can help me to understand the difference between these two phrases. Um, all lives matter versus black lives matter because there is a, a great debate, isn't there? Uh, many of you probably on social media, you've seen the debate. Mm. So if someone says black lives matter, then people respond immediately and say, well, all lives matter. If someone says all lives matter, then there's a response, well, that's true, but black lives matter too. So I want, I want you to help take some layers off of this conversation to help us with a better clarity on the difference of all lives matter versus Black Lives Matter, and at Go Church, we believe in chivalry, so we're going to let the lady go first. Ms. Arlene, would you jump into the conversation and help us with this? Sure. I'll be glad to. Good morning, everybody. Uh, from my perspective, I am a mom, I am a grandma, and I am a great-grandma, and I have a lot of, of male children in the family, as well as female children as well. Um, we have been, as an African-American person, we have been fighting for many, many years to be treated like everybody else. When we say that black lives matter, it's not, we are not saying, well, I'm not saying that no other life matter. That is not what I'm saying at, at all. What we are saying is that our lives are as valuable and as important as anybody else's life, and we just want to live. I, I, I really wish to see the day where I am not worried about my children coming home. I've never experienced not worrying, except for when I was a child and, and didn't know the reality of what's going on. But I, I long to see the day, and now I know my mom longed to see the day where we would not have to worry. Can I read this, Pastor, yes, quickly? Please. Yes. A six-day six period of rioting that started after a white police officer killed an African-American man. The riot spread to other major cities. Because of the murder, violent protests erupted throughout the city. The march began peacefully, but emotions were running high. Some protesters became violent. Police responded violently, and chaos quickly followed. Rioters looted stores, vandalized private property, and struggled against the police who had been called in to restore order. The, riot, the rioting continued and spread to other neighborhoods and beyond. When the smoke cleared, the peace 
had been restored, but one person was dead, more than 100 had been injured, and more than 450 had been arrested. You may think that I'm talking about today and the Atlanta riots and all of the riots across the nation, but I am not. I am talking about the riots of 1964 in Harlem, where I grew up. This was 56 years ago. I was only 16 years old. But then I began to think my mom must have felt the very same way, whether her children will come home. And I'm feeling the same way 56 years later, whether my children will come home. Jesus. So all lives matter. But Jesus said that we're all part of the body. And when one part of the body hurt, the whole body is supposed to come to the rally of that, that part of the body. That's good. The whole body. That's and good. when one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices with them. 1 Corinthians 12th chapter, 24th verse. Come on. So all lives matter, but right now in this moment, black lives are in such danger. I appreciate that uh, vulnerability so much. Dwayne, I'd, I'd love for you to jump in the conversation and share uh, your perspective on this all lives matter versus black lives matter. I, I, I hate to even call it a debate, but it feels that way. It, it, it feels like there is a debate going on between these two uh, thoughts. Can you share a little bit from your heart? So in, in preparation for um, this, this conversation, you know, um, I, I talked to my, my kids about it. So I have a 14-year-old daughter, have a 17-year-old son. And, uh, you know, this has not been a new conversation for us. I mean, obviously, as, as, a, as a black man um, with a family, um, you know, this is, these are things that, you know, it's, it's not a something happened this weekend and I have to think about it. We have to think about these things every day of, every day of our lives. And I've had, you know, I have to have tough to, discussions with my kids yeah. uh, every day, um, not just this week. Um, but I did talk to my daughter and I asked her, because I, I know that she's been having conversations with her friends of all races uh, about what's been going on and what's going on. And so I asked her uh, basically the same question uh, that, that uh, Pastor JC is bringing up. And I asked her, you know, what, the, what does Black Lives Matter and how do you explain that to your friends? And what she said, and, and I, think, I think sometimes simplicity is a lot easier to understand than when we try to get too deep. She said that, you know, if I have a hashtag and it says, save the sea turtles, I'm not saying I don't care about the whales or I don't care about the tigers. Wow. And, and that's, that's all it is. You know, it's, it's, it's not saying that uh, all lives matter or we don't care about other people or it's just about us. Um, but it's saying that right now we're in a crisis. Uh, we need help, you know. And 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 I think at some points in America's history, and that's that's why I think this this moment right now is different. Um, and other times in American history, it's just been us. You know, I saw I saw a couple of people who were sharing a, a photo uh, of Martin Luther King and and uh, some nonviolent protesters were on their knees and they were all uh, praying. But the other thing I noticed about that picture 
was that the only people that were in that picture protesting were black people. Mm. And that's what has to change, and that's what's been changing. And I, and I, you know, I said to my daughter, and I, I've said it to a lot of my friends, I'm Generation X, um, but I've said, and, and you know, people make a lot of jokes about millennials, and, and, um, but I'm so proud of them for how they're leading the way uh, for this change that's happening right now. And, and the only way that change happens is if you know, we stop yelling at each other, we start, stop uh, talking at each other, That's we good. take a moment to just listen. You know, instead of saying all lives matter, which to me lessens, it's, it feels like an attack on me. Um, ask, me why, ask me why I'm saying black lives matter. You know, and I, and I can explain it, and I, you know, just like both of us just did. Um, but that's what it takes. it takes. It takes listening. It takes, you know, not being in a defensive mode, but being in an open mode where your heart and, and your mind are open for change. You know, uh, I, I, really, I really have entered into this weekend uh, praying more about this conversation and panel than probably any other message I've ever preached. Uh, because I understand that there, there could be people in the room and even those online that are just, just wrestling right now, just re- on, on, both, on both sides. And, and again, it shouldn't be white versus black, right? I mean, Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right, but against principalities and powers. Uh, I'm confident, though, that there are people that are listening and they're still thinking, yeah, but all lives matter, all lives matter. And I... I mean, come on, do we, we agree with that, don't we? Like, every life matters. That I mean, when Jesus died on the cross, he poured out his blood for all mankind. I think the idea of this phrase, black lives matter, though, is the reality that there is a, a part of the body that is hurting, that it's broken. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that, but... Brother Owusu, I want you to jump in here. You come with great experience. Uh, this isn't the first time in your lifetime that you've seen, you know, the division in our country and, and the hatred and the, and the bigotry and, you know, even the challenge of white supremacy and all, all of those things. But I'd, I'd love your perspective on really why, why, why is saying black lives matter? Why is that so important now to hear that? Share your heart. Well, You're on. I think it's on. Yeah, yes, it's on. Okay. Um, I think it's important for us to kind of get a historical perspective because there are facts. There are different things people can argue, but there, there's one fact. The fact of the matter is in 1619, the first ships uh, sailing from in from directly from Africa to the shores of the United States came in bringing slaves. People were put in ships in the bottom of ships for a 90-day journey from Africa to uh, what, it, what we call America today. And then we can look forward. That was 1619. Then we can go up to the, uh, when the Constitution was developed and the, and the Declaration of Independence. And at that particular point in time, um, we were slaves. Our ancestors were slaves. And as we look at that, we can understand that during that particular period, uh, what we would call African-American people were given an opportunity for freedom by the British to fight against uh, the colonies who were trying to get free. Well, when that happened, then the colonies said that 
the slaves uh, could fight for freedom. Uh, that never happened, although the slaves fought to free this country and, and bring about what we call the United States. Once the war was over, then Washington basically reneged on that promise and life went on as new. In 1857, now we go another 100, almost 100 years, then there was a Dred Scott decision. The Dred Scott decision was when the United States Supreme Court basically said that black people have no rights that white people have to enforce. And so with that, black lives didn't matter again. Then we get to the Civil War and then we get to the 13th Amendment, which basically after the Civil War said that slavery was abolished with the exception of uh, for incrimination. So with that, black people thought they were free again, but there's a clause in there that basically states that if you are in prison, you have no rights that society is bound to do. So that brings about the uh, industrial prison industrial complex that we're facing on today. In 1860, my great-grandmother was born. She was born in slavery. My grandmother was, was born in the 1800s, and she never saw anything outside of what we call Jim Crow. My mother was born in 1921, and we don't know, as, as her son, I don't know my grandfather. I don't know who he is. Uh, it's never discussed because it was illegal for the person who impregnated my grandmother to be with my grandmother in the South. And so therefore we don't know. So that brings us up to the day as to why somebody would come up with a phrase like Black, li Black Lives Matter because they haven't mattered up until this point in time. And that's been a legal the Supreme Court legally said that black people have no rights that white people are bound to respect. And so when you get to another discussion of all lives matter, that came as a result of not wanting to deal with black lives matter. So if we can keep putting this off, then we don't really have to deal with it. So not, no, black lives are, are no more important than white, but that's not what was being said. What was actually being said is, we have never been treated the same as we were supposed to be treated. And so black lives matter for that reason, people began to say that, look, we, we are human because it has not been determined by the overall society that we as a people were in fact human. Thank you. Thank, can, can you just encourage all of them for sharing their heart? This, uh, Really, really not easy. Let me give you. Let me give you one more thought, and I want to say this. I'm, I'm I personally, I'm, I'm not the victim in all of this, right? I mean, and I get that. Uh, this has not been an easy week for really anybody. You know, uh, I did put on my personal social media on uh, Blackout Tuesday. You know, I put Black Lives Matter, and uh, that didn't come without some kickback. You know, some individuals questioning, you know, kind of my heart behind that statement. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, I need to say two things. Number one, I do not apologize for saying Black Lives Matter. I do, I do not apologize for that. Uh, secondly, that does not mean that I'm endorsing the Black Lives Matter organization in itself. I, I don't know enough about them to say that I'm a, 
you know, I'm a part of that. All I know is at the end of the day, the shepherd had a hundred sheep. One of them left the flock and Jesus left the 99 to go after the one that was hurting and lost. And I feel like if that's important enough for, for that parable and Jesus to leave the 99 to go after the one that was lost and hurting, then that should be our response as well. And at the end of the day, right now, we see a history that's divided and not enough people recognizing that we were all created in the image of God. That's a good place to say amen right there. So let me say one more thing. You don't have to apologize for being black, just like I don't have to apologize for being white. God made us. God made, a factory didn't make us. A machine didn't make us. The almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, knit us together while we were in our mother's womb. And he gifted us with the unique talents and abilities. Right now, though, we've got brothers and sisters that are hurting. Okay, let me move on. i got two more questions. And uh, I, I want to be really honest on this next one because this is, this, is this is one I really, really wrestle with. I watched the videos of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, man, and I wept. I mean, I, I could not believe what I saw. Then I saw the, the, the video of George Floyd. You know, I think it was, and, and forgive me if my statistic isn't exactly spot on, but I think it was almost nine minutes that the police officer had his, you know, knee on his neck. It's like eight minutes, 46 seconds, something like that. And I, I wept. I mean, I just, I could not believe what I was seeing. I watched and read about Breonna Taylor and, and all of that, and I just thought, man, like, what is happening? And, and something inside of me clicked. Like, there was just like, man, I got, and maybe this isn't okay to say as a pastor, but I was angry. Like, I was, man, I felt anger in my heart for what I, I saw. I saw murders, okay? And then the protesting started. And I want you to know that I, I think that peaceful protests are the way to go. Like, I think it's a great option. Where my anger also resurfaced was when I saw the rioting and the looting. Like, I felt this again, like, man, we're burning down our communities. And, and there's a lot that goes into all that. We talked about this as a panel. This discussion is the tip of the iceberg, right? There's a whole iceberg underneath the surface. The question is this, though, is like, can, can we be against race-based violence? Okay, can, can I be against what I saw on that? Can we be against police brutality but also be against the riots and the looting. And then this isn't on the screen, but let me add like one more. And can we also support our police officers who put their life on the line every day? You know, there's statistics and facts for like everything. You know, I think it was 89 police officers lost their life last year. You know, that breaks my heart too. So I, anyway, the point is I feel this tension. Like I saw the videos and it made me nauseous. And then I see the news, which, man, I think, oh, well, I don't want to talk about the news and all that, but social media, like, some of us just need to shut it off just because it's so much stress and anxiety. But anyway, somebody talked to me here. Uh, uh, Dwayne, why don't you start? Like, I just, I wrestle with, I think a lot of people wrestle with this. It's like, I'm angry at the videos. I'm angry at the riots. I don't, I don't know. Am I okay to say that? You know, so just kind of share, share your perspective real quick. So I, I think the first way to, to kind of start having a conversation about that is, is really for all of us to, to examine our, our own heart, you know. That's good. You know, if, if, if your first 
uh, response. You know, your first emotional response to a situation says a lot because you didn't have a time, time to actually think about it, you just reacted. And if your first emotional response to Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor or George Floyd uh, being killed, uh, if you didn't have any emotional response to any of those things, but the first emotional response that you felt was when you saw property being damaged. Wow. Then that says something about your heart, you know? Wow. So, so uh, should rioting and looting happen? You know, Dr. Dr. King talked about it, and, you know, Dr. King, we all celebrate him because, you know, he believed in nonviolent protest. Uh, but, but, you know, when Dr. King, you know, Jesus wants us to turn the other cheek, but that's not a natural human reaction. You know, the, the people who were marching with Dr. 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 King had to go through nonviolence training. You know, they had, they had to be sit, sit in rooms where people practice hitting them, and they had to learn how to restrain themselves. Jesus. So, you know, to, to judge, especially kids who have been dealing with this for years and years and years. And I go back to, if you, if you think about the situation, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, graduated from high school in 1992. So that was when the Rodney King rise happened. And, and when, when Rodney King, when that video surfaced, and that's when everyone didn't have cell phones, when that video surfaced, uh, I was angry, you know? But riots didn't happen when the video surfaced because people at that time thought, okay, well, this is on video. They can't deny what happened because it was on video. And it still went through the justice system and justice wasn't served. That's when the riots happened. And we have seen in almost every single instance since then that even with cameras everywhere, you know, the, the, the gentleman in, in New York, that was on video when he was strangled by a police officer. Wow. And nothing happened to the police officer. So, so you know, it's, it's not just anger from a standpoint of someone uh, being killed by a police officer. It's anger now because even when it's on video, we don't expect justice. We don't think that we're going to, we don't think justice is going to be served. And, we, and some people think that the only way that justice will be served is if I yell, if I scream, if I break a window, maybe that'll get, maybe that'll get their attention. Mm. And that's, that's where we are. Now, I want to say something else about, uh, you know, our police. So, you know, and just kind of give you a little bit of my, of my background. So my, my, dad, uh, my dad was in law enforcement. My grandfather uh, did, was in law enforcement. Uh, you know, the greatest honor that I've had other than, you know, raising my kids and being married to my wife has been, you know, to be in a, a, a soldier for the last 20 years. But, you know, I've, I've talked to, you know, I've had hard conversations and I've talked to some of my friends who, you know, serve you know, whether it's in the military or the police. You know, I, I, my, my brother, uh, Eddie Kirk, is out there right now who's a police officer, man. I love you, man. And, and, and you know, but, but what I love about him, it's not, it's not because he's a police officer. It's because he's a community leader. Mm-hmm. It's because he takes, he goes into the community, and he, you know, he talks at the Fellowship Christian Alliance. You know, he talks to kids. He brings kids with him. He coaches kids. He mentors kids. So those kids, when they see Officer Kirk, 
They don't see someone who's a danger to them. They see someone who's going to help him, help them. And it's not just, you know, it's not just Officer Kirk as a, as a black officer. There's white officers that I've also, and I, I sent a couple of them text messages this week who I've coached, wow. who I've seen in the community. That's good. And, and that's, that's the difference. If, if, if officers, uh, law enforcement, prosecutors, because this isn't just about police officers, it's about prosecutors and district attorneys and mayors and lawmakers. If they want to see people see them differently, then they have to show that they care about the community that they serve. Not that they just police the community, but that they serve the community. And those are two different things. Um, and, and we really just don't see that enough in, in, our, in our community. But once, you know, if, if they're willing to get out there uh, in the communities, uh, and I, you know, I've seen a few of them, and, 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 they've, and they've gotten criticized for this, which I just don't understand. You know, they've gotten criticized for, you know, going to the protesters and, and saying they understand it. Because if, if, if a police officer can't tell me that they understand that a man, that, a, that one of their police officers kneeling on a man's neck for nine minutes yeah. uh, is wrong. It's wrong. And not just that, that the other three officers, and, and that, that's the part that's being lost in this. There were three other officers there. So, so it's, it's not just, you know, the, the guy that we have on all these images. It's the three other officers that none of them, you know, they, they weren't, they're not paid to just serve and protect uh, their other officer. They're, they're paid to protect George Floyd, even if he's being arrested. And, and that's, that's the problem. So, I mean, we, we, we need not just for, uh, you know, us to be uh, served or, or for us to, you know, honor police officers, but police officers have to understand that, you know, they, took a, they take an oath. You know, the, the people who are looting and the, and the people who are, you know, they didn't take an oath. Police officers took an oath. Military members, we take an oath. Politicians, we take an oath, mm. okay? So, so we have to hold them to a higher standard. That's good. Man, I, uh, there's, there's so much to all of this, and uh, I, I am really thankful for the three of you. I've got one more question. Uh, I will say this, uh, um, you know, as, as a white pastor, as, as a white male, um, which, which I've learned in, in this week talking about the preparation of this panel that I'm the, I'm the first white pastor that you three have ever had. And I'm so honored by that. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm so honored by that. I just don't know as a white pastor and as a white male if I'll ever really be able to fully understand the pain, you know, and the challenge for people of color. I'm trying my best to have empathy. I will say this. I read, I read an African proverb the other day that really helped me to understand the second part of this about the rioting and the looting. And uh, the African proverb said something like this. The child, a child that is not embraced by his or her village will burn it down to fill its warmth. And that got me. You know, again, I'm, look, I don't, I don't think that violence is the way. I think Jesus is the way. And I think we agree with all of that. You know, I just think that there's a, there's a, a culture that is hurting. And uh, it's, it's our job as Go Church to show people the answer. And the answer is Jesus. So here's a question. I'm gonna give it to Brother Owusu and then Arlene. What, um, what are some things we can do? Spiritual, practical, application, next steps 
you know, just kind of give me a couple of thoughts here because I want to honor time and I want us, if you're tuning in online, stay with us because I want us to take communion together. Like what are some things that we can do spiritually and practically to help us work towards unity because that's what we need, right? We need unity. Psalm 133.1, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So give me a thought or two here. I think we have to make absolutely certain that we begin to feel the compassion, have compassion and open ourselves up. That's good. Just like uh, we had to open ourselves up to accept the fact that we had a white pastor. Come on, I mean, we didn't, we didn't go out shopping. <laughs> you know, it just kind of, it came to us. And we had to open up our heart and understand and say, are we going to live the word or are we going to just talk the word? Yeah. Wow. Because the biggest problem has been is that the white church has been silenced. And, and, and that fact we have to understand that when Dr. King was here and when he went to Birmingham and wrote that book, letter from a Birmingham jail, it basically began to say that the greatest crime that he was witnessing, not the fact that dogs and holders were turned on people, was the silence of his brothers and sisters in Christ. That that was the greatest sin that he saw at that particular time because he was labeled a troublemaker because he asked for freedom. And therefore, if you tell someone to take your foot off my neck and they tell you stop crying and let's just get along but they don't take their foot off your neck then that's a problem but if somebody standing next to them as Dwayne said doesn't remind them as a Christian that you should take your foot off his neck then we have a duplicity of problems and I think that what we need to do is intentionally continue the vein of discussion toward understanding who we are in Christ. And if we're going to be that, let's be that. If we're not going to be that, then just remember that one day you will stand before the throne. So this is what wow. we know. We're going to stand before him and he's going to judge you on what you did. And so we need to understand that. And I think that the best thing we can do is self-examine ourselves and see where we fit in the paradigm of what Jesus called us to do. That is, that is really, really strong. Arlene, will you take just a moment here and share some things? Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight, that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man. And he was astonished that there was no one to intercede. We got to pray. And we can't just pray while this is going on and then we just stop praying for justice. Justice about a lot of things. But we certainly have to keep praying about justice among the, the races. Because we don't want to go 56, street, 56 more years and we're at the same point. God can intervene, and he has already told us, if my people would pray, if, you would turn, if we would turn from our own wicked ways, if we would examine our own heart and cleanse our heart and get on our knees on a consistent basis and be intentional about praying for race relationships, 
We gotta pray, we gotta intervene, we gotta intercede. Prayer is powerful. That is so good. You know, um, I wrote a few thoughts down here that I'm, I'm trying to do, and I hope this helps. Uh, the first thing I wrote down is that I need to listen and learn more. Um, I, I need to do a better job of listening. Uh, I'm a talker, and I think that my opinion is, is necessary. I think in this season, though, uh, more than the words that I say, it's the fact that I'm willing to open up an ear and listen. The second thing is this, is that we, listen, we have to have these types of conversations so that we can listen. Yesterday, if you were able to jump on our first Saturday prayer Zoom call, uh, Wayne Francis and Pastor John Gray jumped on. Wasn't that awesome? That was just, and uh, so last Sunday, John Gray was with Stephen Furtick. Today, John Gray is with Joel Osteen. And last Sunday, John Gray said this, they'll put it on the screen. He said, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to heal this at a legislative level. Like, it's not going to work there. You can't pass a law to change a person's heart, he said. And, man, that, that just really got me. And I told you all, we're not going to make this political. But if y'all, y'all, listen to me, I'm getting. <laughs> but if, if we think that the Republican Party or the Democratic Party is going to be the answer, we, we've got false hope. You can't, you can't pass law to change somebody's heart. That's why conversations have to happen in the church, yes. right? And it's why we need the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can change somebody's heart. And uh, I'd encourage you uh, to know this is we need the church. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing the emotions of people right now, but so many people haven't had the church in the last three months. Right? We've, we've, we've kept the building closed, and I get it because of the virus, but we need each other. We need to be in the room with brothers and sisters from different backgrounds and walks of life. And listen, and as this pandemic lifts, you need to, you need to stretch your, your span of influence and circle of friends. If, you, if all of your lunches and all of your barbecues at your house are just with white people or black people or Hispanic people, you're not being intentional enough. The more I sit with the three of you, the more I learn. And the more I'm proud to call you my brothers and my sisters. You know, I think you need to jump on Netflix or Hulu and watch, watch some movies on, you know, uh, racial injustice and all of that. Last night, Kimberly and I, we watched uh, Just Mercy. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, it's on Amazon Prime right now for free. Get you some Kleenex and watch yourself some Just Mercy. Like there are things that we can do. But I tell you this, the most powerful thing we can do is take communion together. It's a reminder of the body and the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary by Jesus. So if you're watching online, grab you some saltine crackers and some sun-kissed orange if you got it in the fridge. Those of you at our Noonan pop-up campus and our South Metro campus, you've already been given the elements of communion. I'd love for you to take that. And I'm gonna ask the three of you to join me right here We'll do our best to still practice a little bit of social distance, but, but we're in this together. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and I'd love for you at both locations to stand. As a matter of fact, even at your home, if you'll stand. This is a moment of, of reverent, holy communion. And this communion is what, is what brings unity. Can I get an amen there? All of our differences, listen to me, all of our opinions, all... <laughs> All of the emails that you've already started drafting to me for tomorrow, it's all covered by the blood of Jesus.
And if at the end of the day, we can agree that through the blood, through the broken body of Jesus, we are one. We, we are one. I'm, I am for you. And when I talk to you, I'm talking to people of color. I'm for you. I am not against you. And as your, as your first and last white pastor, come on now. We're in this. In the name of Jesus, wherever a go church exists, racism can't. Come on now. That's good. I could preach, but I'm out of time. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread from the middle of the table. He said, this is my body, a representation of my body. He broke it. Go ahead and do that symbolically, he said. And it is broken for you. Listen to me. When Jesus is on the cross, every, every whip on his back were for red, yellow, black, and white. He said, this broken body is for you. Let's take and eat together as a family in the presence of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he took the wine from the middle of the table. He said, this, this juice is a representation of my blood. Can I, can I just tell you, church, that there is power in the blood? Come on. There is still power in the blood. And I don't, and I'm going to say this hear my heart it does not matter what color you are because when you come into right relationship with Jesus his blood washes us white as snow it's the blood of Jesus that removes our sin and our iniquity and it's the blood that makes us one come on can we take and drink in the presence of the father the son and the holy spirit Thank you, Jesus, at our Noonan pop-up campus. The worship team is coming, and the team will give you instructions on how to close. I want to pray. And then if you're watching online and at our Noonan campus, we're going, to sing, we're going to sing this song one more time that says, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Father, I thank you for the dialogue today. I thank you for the beautiful perspective from my brothers and my sister. I thank you that... You're opening up our hearts and our ears to listen in this season and to learn in this season and to recognize that if one part of our body is hurting or broken, let's do all that we can to bring health to that brokenness so that we can be restored as one. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood that washes us white as snow. Remember, church, we're in this together. We don't wrestle against each other, no. Satan, you better take notice, because we're coming. And everything that you meant for evil, devil, our God is faithful to turn it for good. Do you believe that? Come on and give Jesus some praise right now. Come on.